Today on Talk About That, we finally break down the Volunteers' big win over Alabama. Then I bring back cigars and candy from Mexico with ominous warning labels. Meanwhile, we ponder Tennessee's new license plate options and wonder if it could lead to something nefarious. Also, a conversation about negativity in the media and whether we will ever escape this era of clickbait and doom scrolling. Today's episode is not sponsored by tacos. It's just like a burrito, except everything falls out of it while you eat it. Let's go. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Two men, one myth, one legend. It's Talk About That. I'm John here with Johnny. <laughs> Am I the myth or the... Well, John, that's up to you to decide. How what, what you do with your own life will dictate. How... When I think of myths, I think of like Greek, Greek, yeah. Greek mythology. Like I've got seven heads or something. I don't know if that expression, though, when people use it, they don't usually refer to Greek things. No. Just me, because I'm a nerd. I loved Greek mythology. Greek mythology, although, was always my uh, Achilles hip. I felt that's stupid. <laughs> you you know, I had a, a Johnny joke the other day that you've retired. Oh, no. I'm not really? sure it ever made it into joke form. Mm. What was it? And I was like, oh, man, that would be good again. If it was going to work, it probably I probably tried it, <laughs> and it did not work. Somebody said that the other day. They said uh, they left a comment on the YouTube page. They were like, he missed a totally, total opportunity here. Because it was the she song. Uh, she never heard the word impossible. Uh-huh. She ain't familiar with regret. She don't know the meaning of many words at all. She's stupid. stupid. And this guy watched the video, and he, I think he even liked it. And he said, oh, he missed a total opportunity here just to say she's illiterate. And I was like, yeah, I tried all that. Yeah. I tried like five different punchlines. But yeah. I think people don't understand that that's how comedy works. Like, Believe me, if illiterate got a bigger laugh, I'd be saying she's illiterate. <laughs> Stupid was a way funnier, just like quick hit, boom. Right. It ends on a hard D, I guess. It's just like that, boom. It's so quick. Yeah. But anyway, people don't know what they don't know. It's fine. And I, I, I please, please keep commenting, but it's that thing of, you know, I tried it all. I always felt it was the harmony note that made that joke. And who, on your, who sang the harmony note? I don't remember. Do you remember? It was like you had some one, you had like this guest huh. guy on your comedy special and he came out and did one note on the word stupid. Right. Which is apropos considering how stupid he is. Yeah, no, John, don't beat yourself up. Oh my goodness! Let me be. Let, let me, me be. Let you, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> you ever hear people like you talk about? You know, the the man, the myth, the legend. I that, that it's used a lot in different phrases. I also hear people use infamous a lot these days. Infamous, but they say it sometimes about good things. Oh, okay. Like I always think of Three Amigos. 
Right. He's in famous. El Guapo right. is El Guapo in famous. Is a, it's <laughs> bigger than famous. Right. He's better than famous. And people kind of say it like that. Oh, it was an infamous, infamous play that you know won the national championship. They, by the way, they were playing the Auburn Alabama kick six the other day. Oh, it was still I mean, the craziest play. That's the best. One hundred nine yards. You can't beat it. Uh, but if you could beat it, what? Uh, if there was an infamous game, the knuckleball through the uprights. Did you think it was going to go through? I, here's the truth. I was watching it while driving on the road. So we watched the whole game in the hotel room, and we had tickets to see Martin Short, Steve Martin. Oh, my gosh. At Ch- this theater in Chattanooga. So we're like, we can't stay any longer. We have to get on the road. We're going to miss our $150 ticket show to watch the last part of this game. We have to go. When Johnny so and I go. are texting the entire game, every game of every Tennessee game, and yes. you stopped, I knew you had that show. I was like, oh, man, he's going to miss this. Well, and I was so I was behind. I'm watching is, on an uh, app. Ironically, what I also thought about the guy kicking the field goal. And probably so. should have missed it. Man, that thing yeah. looked Sorry. rough. But yeah, so I'm watching that, and I had to text you, because you're texting me after every play, and I'm on the same time frame as you. (laughs) But now I'm not, because I'm on an app on my phone, so it's like three, four, five seconds behind. And I'm like, do not text me (laughs) if this kit goes through. Do not say a word. I will kill you. (laughs) And so we're watching it live, and what's funny is my wife is not, she's not annoyed. She's not as into the game as I was, obviously. She's just not. But she's into it. And then we started coming back, and then we had the... The, you know they scored on us because of a scoop and score, oh, and it was a horrible play. And it's like that's it, that's the one that's mistake we made. Yeah. You can't make mistakes when you play Alabama. And then we kept coming back, and then she was getting more into it. We're watching, and I said, "Hold my phone like this," because I didn't want to. I want to look at the road, mm-hmm. but I want to look at the phone too. Wow! And she's holding the phone, and when that kick went through, she started crying. Really? Yeah, like she was overtaken. Like we stormed the field, oh, and like I flew over, and she was crying, and then level. I started crying to watch her. I was crying at her. Yeah, I thought I couldn't respect her anymore. Yeah, but somehow she was. She just she was swept up in the moment. It was emotional to watch those kids. The the jubilation. I hate the whole thing of listen, Alabama fans. I love you. I don't know what it's like to. What must it be like to be an Alabama fan where every weekend is this? But Alabama fans who are like, yeah, yeah, act like you've been there. You got to tear up your own field. Yeah, we do. We've not been very good for quite some time. We've not been there. <laughs> We're not going to act like we've been there. You know, it's been 15 years. I had dinner with an Alabama fan the other night, and he was talking about how he and his family were going to go to one of the national championship games. And he said, it just it just got to be too much. And he goes, it's okay. We'll just go next year. Right. Yeah, you just. And he was like, and you're Alabama fan. You can say that. That's crazy. And guess man. what? He went next year, the yeah. next year. I mean, and so. That's insane. It, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee is a is a, a storied program more than people yeah. give it credit for in this last twenty years. Well, our fans have a bit of a chip on our shoulder. We won the first BCS championship yep. in ninety eight, and a lot of our fans, I think, thought we're back. That's going to be every year, and so we do have some fans in our fan base who are knuckleheads and they act very entitled. Oh, absolutely. And it's annoying on Twitter to have to defend them because I love the Vols. But, man, our fan base can be insane sometimes. Every time Johnny defends me on Twitter, wait. John, (laughs) every time you light your couch on fire and you ask me to come put it out. I'm like, guys, (laughs) although I am wearing, if you're not watching today, I'm wearing the smoky gray with the orange. um, It's it's nice. And it's a good good combination. I'm wearing red, and that's not to represent anything. I have the Titans, though, today, too. Hold on. We found that. Yeah. I thought I texted you, and I hate to be so negative. And I know if you're not a football fan listener, don't worry. We'll, we'll get to other things. Just hit the 30 second button. Yeah. No, it's okay. It's okay. This don't is, do that. Because I'm about to bring in. Oh, uh, you're going to bring in some Jeremiah, spiritual truth? Yeah, right oh, in the good. Of yeah. Jeremiah 29. I'm just kidding. Uh, it's, it's Ezekiel. Um, 
it, it was a, it was the, the kick was like a flip within a wheel. You know what I'm saying? Oh, it was. was oh my goodness. Uh, any rate, at any rate, like when he missed the extra point, yeah. I texted you. and I said, "That's it. We're going to lose by one." Mm-hmm. I thought that was the thing because like there's always one thing. Yeah, you know, you can't make a mistake against Saban. He'll he'll capitalize. Yeah. And then though the whole fumble thing, like it was so bad. That the running back didn't even know it happened. He right. thought that the quarterback it was a, it was he a kept option. blocking. He ran on. He ran on, thinking that mm-hmm. you know the quarterback still had the ball, and like it just sat there like a gift. How do you not know the ball has hit you and dropped to the ground? Do you have feeling in your torso? What's uh, happening? Well, I mean, the deal is, it's the quarterback's option yes. to hold to pull. He thought he pulled it back out. It's so, his prerogative. Come John. on, guys. And so I thought that's it. And they just, they wouldn't go away. And this is the craziest stat. Now, you may not be a football fan, but this will mean something to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jalen Hyatt, our receiver, who was our second best receiver, our, our best receiver still yes. on the sidelines. He had to have an ankle right. surgery. Cedric Tillman. Should be back hopefully by Kentucky, if not, hopefully by Georgia. And literally, Jalen caught six passes. Mm hmm. For five touchdowns, yeah, I've never heard. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, I don't. What, what is five? Two hundred plus is yards. Ninety percent. Two hundred over two hundred yards. Five touchdowns on six on receptions. Six receptions. I'm, I mean, it's got to we be throwing, a record. We were throwing bombs. Yeah, and, and yeah, they were like seventy yards, go, fifty yards. Listen, listener, if you don't know anything about listen, college football that John and I grew up with is literally. Up the middle on third down, three yards in a cloud of dust, Philip Fulmer. And then we had some great running backs that got us the national championship. But we do not have a fun and gun that well, we grew up with. I will say. We grew up with Peerless Price and those T. guys. Martin and Peerless yeah. Price was. was they, you know, they, but, but they didn't throw six receptions for five touchdowns. No. These were not 80 yard bomb plays. It was like dink and dunk. And then some, he would break one. Uh, this guy was like throwing rainbows. Against the best secondary, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're the best secondary in the nation this year, but that's like Saban's well, baby. Well, we exposed them, and that's what's going to hurt them, yeah. Saban's baby is the secondary. Man, and I don't know. Hyatt looked like he was 10 yards past their defenders every time. Yeah. It was like they couldn't – the idea that he ran past the you know some of the best secondary players in the nation that many times. I mean, one time as sure as a busted play, but it was crazy. It was uh, crazy. So this is the magical – is this it? Is this our year? Uh, you know, the season is – Oddly is this enough, where we trip up and lose to Vanderbilt or Kentucky? Well, we Kentucky's them? really good. Yeah. Kentucky's, what, number 16, I think? I mean, we're not going to lose to UT Martin, but I'm saying Georgia is pro- – you probably pencil in Georgia as a loss, and then you hope for a win. But we, well, we, have we, a, we can out – we can we have more talent than Georgia probably this year. I don't think we have more talent. I think that our – Better coached? I think our offense – well, here's the thing. This is one of the first times I think I said this to you. It is so amazing. And I'm not besmirching – old coaches how dare you besmirch i just mean like there have been times when it's fourth and three Mm -hmm. and i'm not confident that whoever's calling this play is going to do something creative enough that the other team hasn't seen it yeah and sometimes we just think we're you know we got to muscle this on through and run the guy out the middle gain one yard and turn the ball over on downs on that two-point conversion yeah I mean, the little shovel pass. The shovel pass. Yeah. It was like Kansas City Chiefs. I think Evan said that. My buddy Evan was like, that's like a Kansas City Chiefs play. See, my only fear that's now. That's Patrick Mahomes. See, my only fear now, though, is that Georgia has now seen our entire playbook because we pulled out the stops. I mean, you can't on that. worry about that. But they, they, listen, 
Can they stop it, though? You may know what I'm going to do, but can Listen, you may know my jokes, but can you stop them? I mean, you can. can you stop me from telling them? I mean, you just got to. You can just not laugh. Or put some Please duct, laugh. duct tape around his mouth. Please don't. There's all. Anyway, that's your that's your five minutes of balls, I guess. I do think, to answer your question, that. Okay. We're not done. I don't think we're done. <laughs> no, I'm saying we're not done with the balls. I'm no. just trying to figure out how, how many exit. people are driving their car into guardrails no, right I now. I think they're fine. Okay, good. I think that it's only halfway through the season. Yeah. I do think that they will. I think the fans have lost their minds, myself yeah. included. Well, now the expectation goes crazy. I don't think that the players will. I think Hendon Hooker, he's 24 years old. He's well, they're well coached. Senior. They're well coached. They know to focus. And Josh Heupel's been here before. Yeah. He was a national championship football player who yeah. was second, very close runner up for the Heisman. Yeah. You know, so like he's, he's going to. I don't know. I think that we'll be in every game. And here's the great news. Well, they almost lost. That's the thing. You still have a lot of coaching that you can do on those players because yeah. they gave up 49 points. Well, that's what they said. When they came in Sunday, the coaches, like, yeah. they ripped the players pretty good on all the places. They all celebrated. But, like, guys, if y'all think this was a – Right. You should have won by could, 21. Yeah, we could have easily lost that if game. You can just tackle – now, we'll say, we just have to say this. Bryce Young is another level. Without Bryce Young, we win by 21. Oh, yeah. He was crazy. You couldn't, he threw for 500 yards, didn't you he? Almost 500. Him. Yeah. And they were all on busted plays. Like, we had yeah. him in the backfield, and they, yeah. our He'll guys be, just get tired of running. He's just too. Yeah, elusive. that guy's going to be playing on Sundays, as they say. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Who wins the Heisman and comes back besides Tebow? A guy, I mean, why would you not? Just, did Johnny Manziel play a second year after the Heisman? I don't, maybe. I don't remember. I don't know. That, you know, they're comparing us a little bit to the LSU team, what, 2019? The Burrow team, yeah. Yeah. Just like a flash in the pan kind of thing, but yeah. I think it's it's a lot about the coaching and the system. But. Well, I mean, gosh, how many players went into the portal? I mean, this should have oh. been a rebuilding year. This was we were decimated. Yeah, and now I mean, you know how many high profile oh those recruits, recruits were, were there, there? Mm-hmm. and yeah. a lot of them being recruited by both teams, and they're in that environment. That's talk about a sales pitch. Oh my good gosh. grief! Yeah, even the basketball teams were using the weekend to their advantage. They had a bunch of recruits in. I watched the thing that uh, Rick Barnes did a, a open practice. And so, in, in Thompson Bowling. So, they had a bunch of recruits there as well. That's, yeah. that's crazy. Man. I love it. Well, anyway, Vols fans out there. And listen, I know we have some Alabama fan listeners. And listen, you've had your day in the sun, and it's over. Yeah, like... It is all Vols. No, I'm just kidding. We're, <laughs> we're probably going <laughs> to... And you know what? I hope, please, do not let us meet Alabama again. Oh, that's the thing. It could happen again, and then we got to... It could happen in two places. It could happen in the, in the SEC Championship. Or in the playoff. Or in the playoff. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's likely. It's likely to me... <laughs> if you beat Georgia, we're going to beat them again. We need now to pull for Ole Miss to beat Alabama and make them a two-loss team. Yeah. So we and it could happen. And then you meet Kiffin. Oh man! Then in the, the, the championship, the golf ball game rematch. If we go, uh, if you were to go undefeated, the mustard bottle game. Because even if you lose that game, you probably still make the playoff. I'm guessing if you're undefeated, you're please let loss. that bowl be sponsored by French's mustard. <laughs> Did you see what Kiffin posted? <laughs> no. He, you know, Saban had the meltdown on the sideline. Yeah. You know. He took the screenshot of that mm-hmm. and made a meme with a mustard bottle hitting him in the head while he's like <laughs> leaning down. He's making this face. He's so angry. It's a uh, mustard bottle. I mean, Kiffin. Uh, yeah. I mean, that guy's a next level troll. Mm-hmm. He really is. Like, he knows what he's doing. But he's funny about it. He's like it. a wrestling heel. Yeah. He yeah. knows how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's like the wrestling heel would always show up to the town and. Whatever town it'd be like, oh, look if it didn't Knoxville, Tennessee. Y'all got some ugly women. And everybody would everybody would know that it's a trick to get you to hate that guy more, but the people would still boo. And yeah. Lane Kiffin has mastered that. Uh-huh. He knows how to do it. Yeah. I, I give him props. Yeah. And he can coach. 
Oh, yeah. It's pretty good. I don't know. I hate to admit it. But. Well, that's our uh, sports sports You've right here on Sports Talk, John and Johnny <laughs> That's in the what mornings. it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're morning zoo radio. Yeah. Let's go to our eye in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> the eye in the sky with the Doppler. They have Doppler. Do they Remember have Doppler what? in the eye in the sky? No, it? I don't know. I'm thinking of weather people. What is Doppler? It's the big thing that goes on the it's, van, it's right? The radar. That's the Doppler radar. It spins and it. So it's a weather radar. Whirls around. It's a weather radar? Weather radar. Waggy. <laughs> <laughs> John's been drinking. Uh, we apologize. Um, sorry about our, that, guys. So, did I tell you this? We're in, in Mexico. Not now, but when I was in Mexico, <laughs> uh, we have our little mini bar in our hotel where you uh-huh. can just get whatever out of the fridge. It's an all inclusive resort. You know, we're making that kind of coin <laughs> for exactly six days. And, uh, and then we had to come running home and pay the bills. But no, so we're there. And I, there's like packs of M&M's and a Snickers bar and whatever in the little drawer, the snack drawer. Yeah. But I noticed there's these warning labels, huge, like a black bar label on um, everything there. And it said, Excessivo Calorias. And it had other few other yeah, phrases in Spanish. And so evidently, so I looked it up. I was like, what is going on? And I sure enough, a million Google results for it. And it said basically that Mexican Congress or whatever their equivalent is passed this law because they have huge diabetes issues there and and obesity epidemic has really reached Mexico and soda is a big problem there so on every can of soda and on every candy bar there's these huge black box warnings that say this is wow this exceeds your calories for the day percentage for what it is and uh, you shouldn't be eating this and it almost covers the label of the brand it almost over the M&M's it was like excessivo calorious wow and I was like um this is a lot. And I was fascinated by it. So then I'm leaving and I go to, which I sent you a text of this image. I want you to see it. So I go to buy some cigars for my buddy Taylor, who was watching our pups while we were gone. He's house sitting for me and watching the dogs. So he's there for seven days for us. And I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm going to get him some cigars. So I go into the gift shop and they got this box of, you know, whatever. And uh, it's on your iMessage. Didn't come. It's not coming through? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I'll... Uh, I'll send it to you again. But anyway, so it it has a huge black box warning on the cigars, which we're used to that. Surgeon General's warning, this can cause cancer, whatever. But it covers the label. It's an entire page of warnings. I'm going to send it to you again. And uh, it – hang on, I'm sending, resending. Uh, I just want you to see this one image because it's craziness. save i'm sorry john this is bad uh, quality this is okay so i'm just resend it so on the thing you got your little wood grain faux wood grain whatever cigars it is and then on top of that if you'll look you'll see that there is a picture oh of a patient in a hospital bed getting oxygen oh that yeah that patient is intubated yes so when you go to buy cigars in mexico they present you with an image of a person with a breathing tube. Yeah. Like and his, they just go, they're daring you. They're like, you really want this? That dude's basically in a coma. Like his eyes are all gray and black. and Yeah. It's not good. And then the back page is like, uh, a hu- it covers the entire label. It's black and yellow uh, writing. And it says, uh, advertencia. And it's, it's a whole thing too. It's a big, you know, um, warning. 
It's got this whole thing. And it said something about COVID-19 in there, too. So I think they're saying, like, this can exacerbate your, sure. you know, if you get the virus and you have, you're smoking, you're a smoker, then you're going to have a harder time with it. But I was like, they're going all out yeah, to try to, like, and I don't know how I feel about it. That's the whole thing of how do you feel about government involvement in your everyday life? Should, should they intervene if there's a public health crisis? Should they just like when they tried to get healthier snacks in schools, people in the South freaked out because yeah. they were like, we should have the choice. If I want if my kid wants Cheetos, they should be able to go get Cheetos. You shouldn't take the Cheetos out and put in an apple and make them get an apple. Yeah. So I don't know where I stand on that. Like, it's interesting. It's a, it's a strange thing. Yeah, it's one of those. It's almost like the government's role in that respect is kind of like because you have a free society and free market capitalism. They're almost making a statement against misinformation. Hear me out on that. Yeah. Because advertising that is coming at you unfiltered, unbridled over and over and over again, the impressions, right? they do cause people to make detrimental decisions to their health. Yeah. And not consider any of the consequences because those consequences are not being revealed in that ad. Right. They're selling you on the party atmosphere when they're selling you beer. They're not selling you on being hung over the next day. Right. They're selling you on the, the, the nightlife or whatever it is. And yeah. so like to say, hey, there's enough of a societal um, negative result yeah. from this particular thing that we have the data for that now we feel you know, that we have to at least – balance the information with something different. I mean, this is Surgeon General's warnings. I mean, they... They voted it in. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, but it is... Yeah. I, I mean, they're not preventing it from... I don't know. To put the picture of the guy on there... That's intense, man. But, I mean, that really is what happens to you when you smoke for a lot of... I mean, it, it, it's a... I don't know. That's a hard... Yeah. To make it... Anything government-mandated, obviously, I think has to be thought through. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, the, the, the role of government... Um, and, and government regulation. But, I mean, whether that's regulating or not, <clears throat> I don't know. Well, yeah. we. I mean, I know you've been reading uh, a book about, like, fascism and how there's, like, a slippery slope to fascism when you start letting uh, people enter your culture that have elected office that they're saying what you want to hear, which is every well, – first of all, you said they create the myth of the – past the this great glorious past they create that myth and then they go now there's outsiders they're trying to take that away from us they get you to celebrate that and then they can almost push through whatever legislation they want because they go if we don't push this through these outsiders these vandals and these invaders are going to get us and take away our mythological right. past this great whatever it was make america great again whatever it was and that's how it works that's how you get fascism to work it's how hitler did it. it's how a bunch of people did it and so we're I'm I'm interested to see what happens and how what what our tolerance level for that is as a culture because nobody thinks it's going to happen you know I'm not a conspiracy theory guy as, as a rule but there's been a couple of things happen and I brought this into you today because I I knew that you didn't know all about it but somebody sent me a TikTok video and I won't play the video I think it's got some language in it but basically it's a person who lives in another state and they're talking about Tennessee's new license plates yeah. And Tennessee has a choice that I don't know how they voted it all in, but they have a license plate option this year. It's a new like blue plate. So they've changed plates. You can't just renew your you can't just renew your uh, tag and get a sticker now. You gotta get this new plate. And but you get a choice of the plate. One has the little Tennessee star and three stars in a circle, but it's above the curve of it, it says, In God we trust. And one of them 
you can opt to not get that. Yeah. So when you you order them online or whatever, you can go to the front desk and hey, I want this. Would you like the whatever? And they ask you because I went, and I knew it was coming because I'd seen that video. But the the way that the tags are presented, and this is what this person was calling attention to, was you get a different order of letters and numbers if you chose in God we trust or if you didn't. Yeah. And I was like. That can't be right. right. So if we've you been, have one, it's like three num three letters in three numbers. If you do the other, it's three numbers in three letters. Yeah, yeah it reverses. So it. I was like, well, this can't be <clears throat> true. That's true. Yeah, and I read so up I looked it. it up, and it's true. Yeah, and um, I was like, this is kind of uh, one of those things where maybe there's a reason. So I think you looked it up before the show started, and they they made some excuse they, of it. it's like there's a mathematical to, reason, right? Is to keep them from the two. They're basically treating them as two different kinds of plates. Yeah, and, and they don't want there to be a redundant, a, a re, you know, redundancy between the two. Except sets. for this person did the math in their TikTok video and said that's not that can't be the reason because there's like 116 million possibilities with letters, numbers, letters or numbers first. There's like that many. And we have six million drivers or whatever yeah. in Tennessee, so that can't be it. So, and listen, I'm not saying they're trying to divide us up into who's a Christian nationalist or not or whatever, but I'm saying they're opening the door for that to happen. Let me give you a scenario. And I'm, again, I'm not saying this is happening. The re- only reason I think about it is there was already posts about this where people were saying, I'm so glad to see some of these letters first, uh, people who really love the Lord. Like they were already like giving you credit by, in other words, they're summing you up by just looking and seeing a letter first yeah. on the uh, thing they don't even look for the because it's tiny writing, but they can see whether or not you're an in God we trust person just by looking at your license plate. And I was like, that could lead to some strange stuff if you've got like let's say you got a really crazy cop who's a you know he's decided that he's gonna we all know it's cop there's good cops and bad cops and they could whatever. Are you more likely to get a warning? Yeah. If you've got a if he's a, if he falls on one side of the aisle and he's like all right well this guy's clearly getting a warning or he's not Well, the flip side is is someone who thinks that anyone who's religious is ridiculous right they're and, bigoted against religion right so then they they could decide i'm just listen i'm just gonna you know yeah you didn't even opt to have and god we it's just a weird thing you. to put everybody in those back and plus you're basing it on a thing that's not even really like it doesn't say that i'm a christian it just says i want my christianity and my state uh license plate to be mingled together in some way So it doesn't, so it's like, talk about virtue signaling. To me, it's like a strange thing. Hello, hello, Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's word, one verse at a time to explore his will for your life and desire to draw closer to him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search your daily Bible verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word. Yeah, it's very... Um, and I'm sure there's people listening that's going to be like, well, you're overreacting, you're whatever. I'm just saying like we're opening the door to some strange things to happen when you boil people down by whether they put a few words on a license plate or not. Yeah, it was not even adopted into like our money until the 1950s. Yeah, it's just like the pledge. People make it, such a big, it, big deal about the pledge, but the pledge was like the 50s, right? Uh, yeah, it was post-World War II. People act like it was Thomas Jefferson wrote right. the pledge and made everybody do it in school, and we just doing it for 200 years, but it's not true. It, well, that's what's hard about about trying to boil something down um 
I was, I was reading a book and it was talking about C.S. Lewis talked about this a lot, reductionism and how and, – and, and this this author, it was uh, Philip Yancey. He was talking about how that's what we've done now. It's so easy to reduce things down in order to find to, – to try to evaluate exactly to, – to, to fully define it and then evaluate its 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 value or devaluation. And that that's the hard part. Having you – know, what are the implications? It's the same thing with – any sort of Christian apparel, Christian books, any of those kinds of things. Like having something on my car, my license plate, a bumper sticker or whatever, I think it's – I know I'm nothing against an expression of faith, obviously. I'm right. a man of faith who makes expressions of faith every day. It's like you said, when it's, when it's put there so that I can try to um, somehow tribalize yeah. the process. I want to make sure everybody knows I'm separate from you. Right. Or that I think that it is a statement bigger than the life that I'm living already. I think that's the big thing about this whole statement of faith issue for yeah. me is you're already making one. You don't you don't need look if you choose a license plate or not choose one, that's mm-hmm. fine. But oddly enough, <laughs> in my house I think one of my cars has it and one of my cars doesn't. Well, and, John, uh, let's wait and see what happens. Let's see which one of those cars makes it to heaven. Well, again, I would say let's see who gets pulled over. But oh, it'd be prob- great. You could do a little A B test. It's going to be me. That's <laughs> true. It, it'll be for good reason. Yeah. But I think that, like this idea, like guys, I'm already making a lot of statements. By the way, even that I think there may not be statements even that are known uh, to the people around me, and but. Like the mystery of the universe, and, and, and he, he talks about this, is so interesting when you talk about suffering. C.S. Lewis says in his experience, like what we consider to be miraculous things mm-hmm. or these like very evidential interventions of God in a person's life, he, when he was around people in his day, he witnessed them happening to younger people mm-hmm. or people who weren't yet people of faith to help bring them to faith. Like undeniable, and you know, this author Yancey's talking about again. You know, the cloud in the sky, the pillar of fire, the you know, fire out of heaven, right. the, those kinds of things. Like it, in in C.S. Lewis's experience, that happened to younger people or people, or young people of faith or people who were coming to faith. Yeah. But in his experience, as they got older, there was a different kind of faith that was tested. It wasn't like the the one I'm going to believe for the fire to come down. Mm-hmm. It's what Yancey calls fidelity. And that's sort of the Job story. And if you go, it's the Moses story. It's Abraham. It's, hey, for a long time, he's believing for Isaac to show up. Yeah. I need this thing to happen. And when it finally happens, there's the big miracle. Right. The fidelity is the call to sacrifice him. The fidelity is mm-hmm. when I don't show up in the way that you thought I would. Right. Or you think I'm being silent or you think I'm being aloof or you right. think I am not coming to your rescue. Right. Babylonian rule for 400 years. Right. Yeah. I'm not showing up in the way that maybe I once did. Uh-huh. Now I'm not I'm not just the slot machine god here. Will you still it, it, trust me and which it's very unfair and he asked that question is God unfair? That's what it feels like to us is unfairness or God being aloof. And he makes the statement or makes the the, the case like we don't really know how God defines faith. Mm-hmm. We really don't know what all he takes from it that that's not revealed to us as of yet. But we know that whatever it is, it accomplishes a purpose that God has for the unseen realm. 
because he talks about when the, the whole Job story, however you want to play out the wager between Satan and God and all those things, okay? Mm-hmm. The point that he makes that we can at least you know, extrapolate from this is that there is an unseen world with a lot of things going and that the faith of Job made a statement about the character of God into the unseen realm for, peop- for, for other creatures, other parts of creation, and it is a part of God's plan. It actually serves a purpose, um, which it's hard for us when you're the one suffering to go, wow, I hope this serves a purpose, but that God, th- there's something God takes from that. Yeah. And so for me, like the statements of faith are not about just what I, what tribe I can get into to say, hey, sign me up for this. Like, right. I, I think I'm making it by the way, even when I wrestle with God, uh-huh. which I was telling the staff this morning and I forgot this. I read some stuff on vacation. Like, that's what the name Israel means. That's why he changed Jacob's name. It means wrestling with God or he's huh. one who wrestles with God. So to, you know, to, I, I re- when you wrestle with God, that's a part of the right. journey with him. And that is a statement of faith, how you choose to do that. Um, did yeah. we tell the story? We did, didn't we? I don't know. That surely we did. About you wrestling with God? About, I mean, talking about my wrestling with God a little bit in a message and a person in our church and a person who was a visitor that day. Surely I told this story. I don't know. Saying that they didn't think I was saved. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we yeah. told that, yeah. You know, that's the point. Like, <laughs> I'm, to me, right. I'm making an extreme statement of faith. I am wrestling. I am struggling. Mm-hmm. I'm still choosing to trust. I'm bringing my problems to God, trusting he's big enough for them that my doubts don't, my doubts don't negate his love for me. Right. But he'll meet me there. And I don't know where he is or what he's doing all the time, but I'm still choosing to stay here in the hardship. That's, that's the the statement of faith I think we need to be making. Whether or not my license plate says it or not, I think is not a direct connection to me. Hey man, Lord, I believe, please help me believe. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people. And uh, I don't know. I, To me, I was telling Dane this today. I really feel like there was a moment for me when I came back to faith in my mid-20s, and you were a part of that journey. Like I was really pensive, but then I got so excited because I was seeing God do things, and I was seeing this bond among Christians of like, we, I love Jesus, you love Jesus, let's go change the world, let's let his love change the world. And maybe that's just some naive thing that I was feeling at the time, yeah. but I, it felt so real to me, and it really drew me back. And now I just feel like over the last 10 years or maybe even five or six years, it just feels like I see a lot of like, instead of that, I see Christianity as being like, hey, we hate the same people, right? Yeah. And it bothers me so much to see like, but there's a brotherhood and a bond being forged from that. Sure like, there is. Joy is in that almost because it's like, we're holding the line against these invaders, right? We both hate. We're both doing this crazy thing to own the other people that we think are our enemies or whatever, right? And you just, they, they're they waiting for this nod from you that you're with them. And I'm like, that's not what this should be. To me, that's not what this should be about. And I'm not saying it's that's a very broad brush I'm painting, but I really see some of that. It bothers me so much when I see this invader mindset you know, pervading Christianity, which should be about something else. It should be a higher calling. Like you said about fidelity. That's very interesting. If, if you have enemies, the most Christ-like thing you can do is love them, mm-hmm. forgive them. And it's not, it's not open to debate. Yeah. It is what sets Christianity apart from everything else. It's the really, yeah, the definitive part of Jesus. There's a guy I follow on, um, Twitter who 
is writing a book. He wrote a book about loving your enemies. And now he's taking it around to churches and speaking about it. And he's, he's being met with this new brand of Christianity that I'm telling you about, which I'm putting in quotes, Christianity. But he's, it's such a hard concept for people that he's dealing with it. And he was talking about some of his findings. Uh, and I, I sent it to you. Did you see the thing I sent you the other day? He said, uh, on my tiny speaking tour, I often heard two reactions to the work of enemy love. Conservatives, feels like you're asking us to compromise our morality. Mm-hmm. That's what conservatives say. You're asking me to love my enemy is to compromise morality. Progressive Christians say it feels like you're asking us to be complicit with injustice. So you have people on the left or yep. within within Christendom, and they're saying, yeah, but there's all this injustice going on. If I give an inch, yeah. I'm letting injustice happen. And he said, compromise slash complicity seems to be where we're stuck. And then this person responded, which I thought his response was apt too. He's another minister. He said, it seems to me that conservatives are like, if I don't call out moral evil, I'm endorsing it. And progressives are saying, if I don't call out social injustice, I'm endorsing it. We're both afraid of endorsing evil. So at least that's the common ground. Yeah, wow. And he said, they seem uh, they seem to be confused on with it, the, 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 the sticking point is what you deem to be evil mm-hmm. or what you prioritize as being most evil. Is injustice more evil or is compromising and giving into immorality the most evil? And where you fall there is where we just choose our tribe and we say the other people are putting their head in the sand and they're being complicit or, or compromising. And I, I never heard anybody put it quite that way. And, you know, I think we're getting closer to being it's another conversation I was having today is like when we're able to when we're able to get around people, you can find a common ground. Yeah. More, it's more likely you're not going to have a knockdown drag out uh, argument necessarily based on some thing that you might type a hundred words in a tweet about. But when we're stuck in our houses for those many months, I think that that villainy, that cartoonic. Uh, caricaturization yeah. of the other side yeah. was able to take hold. And yeah. now we're trying to come out of that fog and go, all right, we got to live with each other. Yeah. So I'm not going to boil you down to like two beliefs. I yeah. got to, I got to live with you. So now tell me why you believe this. And I'm more likely to sit down. If I sit across the table from somebody and have a, I think that's one of the reasons Jesus said we should eat meals together. Absolutely. It creates that you can't just, I'm breaking bread with you. There's already, I'm giving you something of me. Yeah, it's harder to have that villainification of somebody. Yesterday, I went to meet with uh, our Afghan friends who are refugees who came here, <clears throat> and it was sort of the sort of the ending of part of our commitment to them. Yeah, and we were meeting with the people from the organization, the agency, and the I'm not allowed to use their names, but <clears throat> the wife I didn't realize this had made a full-scale Afghani meal. I mean, talking like three different proteins. I mean, like the whole deal, yeah. all homemade. Um, <clears throat> and sitting sitting with people that I don't share religion with. Yeah. And that, quite honestly, a lot of my life, especially 
you know, since are, we're the generation of of dealing with the aftermath of September 11th and mm-hmm. and the war and terror and all those things, right? There's so many things that I would be scared of. Yeah, and and I'm not saying those fears are 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 ungrounded in that there's not someone out there that looks like them or someone out there that looks like me that isn't a danger to to both sides. But there is a beauty around the table mm-hmm. of just man. I mean, just the serving of it. It was so amazing to get to partake of their culture yeah. in their home in a place where, where we had, you know, they were helping me and I've been helping them. And like you said, you can't, you know, I think Brene Brown says that it's, it's hard to hate up close. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to lean in. Like if you're not leaning in with people and I think, I think you're right about the pandemic taking us to a place where we were leaning It's just out. easier to do. You just go, well, and obviously we, we all, we both believe that like, Social media, Twitter, and it, it may it emboldened a lot of people to make hate speech okay. They felt like they were protected. They they said things they wouldn't say in person, and now you're seeing it bleed into the public square where they were like, "No, no, no, this is how I really feel," and I'm going to do X, Y, Z in person too. I'm going to get a tiki torch and I'm going to go to Charlottesville, whatever it was, whatever that thing looks like. But I also think that's not the majority of America. It's just not, and it's so easy to sit back and be like, "Everybody's going crazy," and no, we're not. Right, what you're seeing online is not a representation. Right, I mean, there's news stations and news, and we talk about it. You know, Ad Fontes Media is an amazing source. Their media bias chart, yeah, interactive media bias chart. I, I, I encourage you guys, Ad Fontes Media. It will tell you minute to minute off of every story of every single right, left, and center news story out there, mm-hmm. uh, where it lights, so that you can kind of see. Oh, okay. This feels like reality, and maybe it is, but it does have this level of. Right right or left bias to it yeah. and maybe you want that but at least be aware of it or all sides yeah. media is another one you can get an email every day where they tell you hey here are the net, here are the news stories from yesterday right here's no what the spin. right left here's what the 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 left said and here's what the middle was uh and, and we can you know extract from there i mean i just think it's important to know right what you're seeing and reading it becomes reality to you over time and yeah. it, it it is not we i say it all the time in my house and it's good for me <laughs> like What's going on in my head is mm-hmm. not the the reality of the world. Yeah. I have to interact with them and then it it could be that I was right, could be that I'm wrong, yeah. but it won't it won't encapsulate it all. It can't hold it as it is. Well, it's like remember uh the old story, the anecdotal story about War of the Worlds when they did War of the Worlds on the radio. Yeah. And people thought it was real and we were under alien attack. And, yeah. And they said people were jumping out windows. I don't know how there's anecdotal stories of what happened, how much alarm there was. Yeah. But it's kind of like fast forward to now, the news has to be alarmist to get clicks and to sell ad space. Yeah. So we have rewarded alarmism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have an alarmist culture. We have people who overreact. You know, that's the thing in sports to, to go back to sports with the Vols. Like there's an overreaction that happens every time there's a loss or if you have a couple of wins this could be our year right. we're overreacting we've only won two sure. games or we, we oh, this is another we got to fire this coach we're overreacting but we reward overreaction in our culture now to the point where it's become a pro the news is a product now and only when people will decide to be balanced will the news become balanced when we stay unbalanced we're rewarding that thing that's yeah. hurting us right which means you're going to have to call something out at some point yeah and there's a way to do that well, we do it with our dollars, too. We just go, we're not going to support this anymore. Right. The, the candidate that's mudslinging is not going to be able to win this race anymore or whatever we decide. When sure. We put our foot down. 
when we stop saying it's okay. Dude, I was in Florida. I'm telling you, man, some of the political ads that came up, I mean, they were as vicious as I have ever yeah. seen. I mean, just literal. This person hates America, right. wants yeah. to kill your children. Like, yeah. I mean, it was going, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm summing up what the sentiments were for real. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and even driving to school to take Sadie, there's a billboard, you know, vote this party, save, save America. America. Yeah. And, and you're like, um, and I, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure both parties are doing that. I just, I go, you, you have to manufacture some level of crisis. Yeah. And say, I'm the solution to that crisis. Right. I'm not saying there's not crises, right. but actually the beauty of America has always been yeah. the beauty of democracy in general is that two sides who see things in two completely different ways have to come together and compromise. Right. Because and they both still love America. I will just say this. If you haven't yeah. read uh, Governor Haslam, so I wrote for his dad, Jim Haslam. Governor Haslam was a two-term Republican governor yeah. of Tennessee. And he had a book out that was called Faithful Presence. Mm-hmm. And he tells a story in that book about they had passed some law in Tennessee, and he was – he didn't specify, I think, which network, but I think – I know which one it was. They were interviewing him, and it was – the law the, – the issue had a lot of hot-button right. sort of smoke around it. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, tell me. I mean, how did you defeat the liberals on this and this and that? And Governor Haslam said, well, actually – both sides, we all just kind of came to the table. And right. We each gave something. We each gave up something and hurt each other's side. And, and, the, and the guy was like, yeah, yeah, but, but when they – I mean when they fought against it, right. like they kept trying to make it something outrageous, mm-hmm. literally outrage, made yeah. of outrage. And like three or four times the governor said, actually, this is how we get stuff done in Tennessee. Like we just listen to each other and we, and we just kind of yeah. you know, compromised. They shut down the interview. Right. Okay, well, th- we're back to you, Bob. Like, right. they didn't know what to do. And yeah. regardless of whether I'm not, I'm not endorsing every <laughs> policy, I'm saying, like, there's something wise yeah. in anybody who leads, whether they're Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, anyone who leads that recognizes that, hey, the way this thing has always worked, you know, is when, you know, Hamilton and Jefferson had to work together. Yeah. Washington made them <laughs> like that's the only way it would work. They they, they could not see the world any diff- more differently. Yeah, can but, you imagine if the losing candidate had to be the vice president like in the old days? Oh man, it's unbelievable. Some high drama there. Oh my, would gosh. ensue because you talk trash and then you got to be like, "Come on, I'll see it work." <laughs> it really <laughs> it's like what happened with us, John. That's it, why we that's worked how we together got here. Yeah, I won. You lost. I was going to say I won. The other guy. I don't know what happened to him. But uh, we're all winners, Sean. Listener, we hope that you felt like a winner. Because you got to listen to the podcast today, and it means a lot to us. And if you like what you've heard, even if you didn't, yeah. maybe we're going to say something that we're Maybe we didn't have a great that. show, but you want to go back and listen to old episodes. Talkaboutthatpodcast.com. That's Not where you'll find those. Oh. And uh, we'd love it if you did that. Check out our link trees and all that stuff. That's where you can find all of our social media links and yeah. all of our new projects that are coming out. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, follow Johnny, follow me. Linktree is the best place to do that, to see everything. It means a lot to us when you do it. Thanks to all of our Patreons uh, who... Patrons on Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> I just made a new word. Yeah. Uh, we just made our whole, a whole new website. Uh, exciting things are happening on the podcast. We'll be announcing probably about mid-November. Uh, there's something absolutely now that's solidified that's coming. And we'll share with you guys very exciting new partnerships. Uh, so very, very cool stuff. Uh, we appreciate you joining us every week. And we hope you do it again next week on Talk About That.
Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.